What's up, everyone? It is Richie here, bringing you back the F1 podcast. Today is June 5th, 2023, and we are filming this Monday night after the Spanish Grand Prix. I am here with our amazing co-hosts, Andrew, and welcome back, Erica. Thank you. Been a long time. I'm excited to be back. We are so happy that you're back and hope you enjoyed your lovely vacation. I guess there's been a lot that's been going on since you've been away, but let's let's first kind of jump into what happened this weekend. We have the fastest lap. Max Verstappen set it at one minute, I think 16 seconds. Pretty dominant weekend for him. Andrew is going to do the honors of the fastest lap this weekend. Mm-hmm. So Andrew, let's see. Can you do it in a minute and 16 seconds? I'm going to try my best. Who's got the stopwatch? I've got it up here. Give me one second. Oh, that's, oh, I almost did an hour and 16 minutes. That's... I, I could totally do an hour and 16 minutes. <laughs> really? That's almost the entire race. Four. You count me in. Ready? Three, two, one, go. All right. Verstappen led off the line with Sainz being P2, Norris P3, and Hamilton being P4 in the top two rows. Verstappen was able to get ahead of Sainz in the first turn where... Uh, Norris had contact with uh, Hamilton, really just causing a terrible day for McLaren as we both had both racers were in Q3 for the race. But however, both of them finished out of the points with Lando finishing in la- pretty much near last place. With that said, Max Verstappen had another amazing weekend as the Grand Slam winner, fastest in P1, P2, P3, qualified P1, finished P1, led every lap of the race and had the fastest lap. Can this band be stopped? We don't know. Uh, but great weekend for Mercedes as their upgrades got them to a double podium finish. So it looks like the upgrades were a success. Tough weekend if you're an Aston Martin fan as Alonso and Stroll didn't have the pace with high tire degradation being the case and Alonso ruining his floor and qualifying and not wanting to ruin another floor in the race. Speaking of qualifying, there's a lot of people going off the track in Q1, which caused a very big issue for Charles Leclerc, who did not make it out of Q1 and was able to kind of fight through the field, but was not able to finish in the points um, but you know, P5 finish for science being the lead Spanish, uh, Spanish driver on the grid this weekend and an incredible race for Joe going who finished P9 coming back from four points back. I think that let's first just talk a little bit of, about qualifying and, you know, qualifying really stuck out. We saw a number of drivers that went off the grid this week and, you know, caused some very interesting changes in some of this qualification, you know, there are some highs. For McLaren, you know, we saw Lando Norris come P3 and took advantage of some of the drivers that were struggling. But um, I don't know what else stood out for you guys in qualifying this weekend. Max Verstappen's other- on another level. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is on another level. Jeez, my goodness, what a weekend. He legit only had to do one lap in Q3, and he was like a second ahead of everyone off the first lap. Ahead of the race, I saw a stat that said Red Bull has led all but 16 laps of a Grand Prix so far this season, which is an absurd stat, in my opinion. (laughs) The fact that they are that dominant, that not only are they winning a bunch, but they are winning... And leading everything by such a large margin is is truly a feat, and they should be proud of the car they've made. And I think I can back that stat up, uh, Erica, because they've led so far 96.2% of the races uh, laps this, this so far, and it's about the same, almost as same as McLaren's dominance during the 1988 season. And, you know, we did see Ferrari was able to kind of 
make it themselves competitive in, in qualifying, uh, well, particularly Carlos Sainz, but Leclerc did not really have so much qualifying. But despite a lot of teams wanting to, to do good qualifying, they just can't compete with, with Max Verstappen. Having his third Grand Slam as a driver, I forget how old is he, I think he's only 24, but it's incredible how much he achieved this weekend. 25, what confused, I think he oh, is. 25, yeah. yeah. What confused me the most about Leclerc's abysmal qualifying session is that you had science finish p2 and you think a similar setup would be beneficial for charles i don't know he just seemed to kind of give up when qualifying and he was really frustrated with the car with the team and i don't know if that's going to translate you know it definitely affected his performance but is this a race or a you know a qualifying session even a race that makes charles rethink his commitment to ferrari as a whole overall a lot of people have been asking that they're wondering if maybe it'll be time for a move with this contract running out or even just looking into next season as a whole. Well, let's just think about that. Uh, Cause it is true. You know, they're having one of the worst seasons uh, so far, um, at least last year that, you know, Leclerc and Carlos Sainz were able to make it, make it competitive against the Red Bulls, despite having a huge success um, early on last season. We're not seeing that this year, you know, one podium in I think six to seven races is not really screaming. Uh, I want to, win the constructors i want to win drivers championship at some point i think marinello needs to consider like what is going wrong for the drivers if maybe the summer break they need to take back and, and just realize you know fred verser probably needs to see look at that engineer wallet is that like is it really working are the strategies working did it make sense in some of the tire changes i didn't think so this weekend yeah but it just seems that it's you know even especially for carlos like you know he had he was able to there was a chance for a podium and then, you know, couldn't compete, but I don't know. It just like, it was another tough weekend for the boys in red. Yeah. You bring up a good point about the strategy there. Cause I think that was a big chunk of what took away some of Ferrari's wins last year. I mean, obviously Monaco being the first one that comes to mind, but we're still seeing the same type of things happening this year with different leadership in place. I mean, you were talking about this week specifically, what was it? Lap 17, they brought him in off the softs to put those hards on and, you know, it didn't really seem like he had a lot of dig on the tires at that point. Why? What was the rationale behind that change when there's still so much of the race left and he could have probably maybe pushed a little bit further into the field before having to come make that swap out and maybe that was the difference between getting points or not. But you can tell Sainz is also like really frustrated with the communications when they're like, you know, box for hearts. He's like, no, 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 we should do softs again. They're like, oh, okay, stay out then. And then he'd be like, well, but let's box for another soft. You're going to do it. He's like, so you want to box for hearts? Like there was just, it, it's got to be super frustrating as a Ferrari fan. Cause it, it legit making it look like the engineers on the wall have no competency in their job whatsoever. <laughs> I can definitely see why science was frustrated with this team because no one listens to him. And he's the one that's been making all the good calls previously in that team. That's been able to get him to score points. Mm-hmm. So you would think like the, the engineers on the wall or the strategist would eat with, you know, take his input into consideration throughout the race. But I don't know. I, I know, if, John, you were mentioning, like, how long does Fred Verser have to really be able to, like, make a mark here? And does he need to go after the season? Right. I think you got to give him at least one year, diagnose the issues, and maybe it's a complete haul change next year, which yeah. I don't think you would be upset with, in my opinion. I would. As a Ferrari fan, you kind of want to go back to basis here and let's let's get some, you know, really competent, let's get some really skillful people 
at these key positions that will allow us to win some races. Do you bring Bernardo back? Well, do you bring uh, him back in like a technical capacity, right? He's incredible at his job, technical-wise. Yep. We were mentioning that last year, like during the season. Mm-hmm. So maybe some non-compete issue, maybe it's there's a you know a guarding period, but I don't see an issue bringing him back in a technical basis. I think that would be a really key move for Ferrari in that regard. And I think if I could just jump on that, you know, those these are all to- totally fair comments. And when, when we see teams struggle, we others we do see other teams able to capitalize on that. And speaking about capitalization, look at Mercedes this weekend. Um, clearly, we talked about the changes coming in. You know, they did a lot of changes to their car during Monaco. Did not really see the full, full effect of those, but clearly this weekend, after qualifying, they were able to really, you know, maybe not the greatest of qualifying, but at, at just at the race, we just saw how fast that car was able to, and it's their first double podium of the season. And, you know, maybe they'll give the run to their money with uh, Austin Martin because they, I think this made them overleap them in the Constructors' Championship now sitting at 152 compared to Austin Martin's 134. Um, is this the team now that's going to be not a lot of people were thinking about Mercedes was going to make it more competitive? We thought about Ferrari, but maybe this is your, your P2 team. I hate to say that, Andrew. I was going to say, I don't disagree with that. Like, we are seeing a good show from this, and we have two very competent drivers on the Mercedes team. And I know in past weeks, a few people have kind of now been eyeing Lance Stroll, seeing how well Alonso's doing in the car. And, I mean, obviously, he is a young driver with a bit of potential. He wouldn't necessarily continue to have the certain kind of success that he's had. I know that there's a heart, a huge asterisk on that in a lot of people's eyes. If Mercedes now has the car that's going to put you second in the Constructors' Championship, whereas you had such a strong start to the season at AM, you, you have to imagine that there are some conversations happening behind closed doors over there too about what the right path is forward. Look, I'm going to defend my team here and so back. You know. <laughs> yeah, I won't, I'll admit, tough weekend for Aston Martin overall as a whole, but seeing Lance finish ahead of Alonso was very promising in that regard. He had the better weekend of the two, in my opinion, both mm-hmm. qualifying and race pace. They had a big issue with tire deck was a key issue with them this weekend. Um, and that was kind of the reason why the race pace was not very good. Um, I also would like to point out that Mercedes traditionally performs well in Spain. And so maybe, yeah, so that, you know, sure. They kind of get it right on the setup for the one weekend, but look, you know, let's see, it's continuous. I, you know, I say that as a AM fan, but traditionally Mercedes have been, you know, the, the idol, like developer right every team aspires to be at that level of development that mercedes gets to um in that regards and when they commit to an idea they go balls to the wall on that right and now and now they have this ipod issue and you know work at the factory they are going to continue with that um but from what i understand aston martin is going to have a lot of upgrades coming to canada coming to montreal and based on alonzo's wording is that they're going to smoke them We'll see when we believe it. But again, we sit here talking about well, Mercedes challenge. They fin Hamilton finished 25 seconds behind Max. Okay, 25 so seconds. So, so Andrew, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's be clear here. I'm suggesting that like this could be a battle for P2. We already know Max Verstappen is so far ahead and that he's not, there's no way nobody's gonna catch him. Uh, and he's going to have a very dominant season. But, like, I think this now has the the 
conversations like who is going to finish p2 in the the driver's oh, thing like yeah. i can see mercedes finishing p2 and aston martin finishing p3 behind well ahead of p4 ferrari which is nice to say i don't mind myself you lose. <laughs> <laughs> and then well ahead of mclaren so i'll take that all day oh jeez. oh sad day to be a mclaren fan aka myself but well, the... Erica, what do you what do you make of these comments when Lando comes out and legit says to the media that like McLaren is the seventh or eighth fastest car on the grid? It's heartbreaking to hear. I don't. It's it's really hard to say because we've also had so many issues outside of the car's performance at McLaren so far this season. There's been a couple, you know, racing incidences that have affected the drivers. There's been a couple questionable strategy calls as well that have maybe thrown things off a little, but we have seen the drivers and similar to last year, like I, I would argue the car is maybe starting to come to where it was last year. Cause that was just a bad start to the season this year. But Lando has proven that he can polish, pardon my language, shit box of a car <laughs> forward into Q3 and qualifying and typically still score in the points in some capacity throughout the season. So do I think seventh or eighth is, is maybe being a little strict or like tough on the car? Not really, because we have seen that it has been his talent that has allowed him to do the kinds of things that we've seen McLaren get up to the last couple of years. It, I do question it a tiny bit because we did see Piastri able to come into Q3. And so with such a young, you know, untested F1 driver being able to pull the car along, I do think that there's more potential in it than what we've been seeing. I, I feel like maybe it's a little bit harsh to say seven or eight, especially when we've seen a, the bottom of the Williams is smooth and has fewer creases on it than a dodo bird's brain. <laughs> I can't believe the side when they had like the comparison between the top three cars and then them, I was like, how is, if, I thought I was looking at it. Even, you're driving the car. How are they even driving you, the car? My car has more arrow going on on it. And I drive a 2013 Ford edge. Like, <laughs> Roll. I, I was like, my goodness, no wonder why these guys are having a rough season. I'm like, man, everyone's gonna rag on Sergeant for finishing like P20. I'm like, look at the car he's got. <laughs> it's a miracle he's even able to get any kind of momentum to cross the starting line of the race with that thing. Like, so between that, we know the Haas has some good qualifying pace. We've seen there's no race pace. Like Definitely wouldn't say it's nine or 10. I still think that this car could outperform an alpha in many situations. And I think that knowing what's going on at alpha Towery and the, the competencies of the drivers, there's opportunities for McLaren to do better there too. So I think seven or eight is being a little harsh. I do still think this is probably like a P5 P6 contender. There's just a couple issues that maybe they haven't quite figured out. Maybe there's a few things the drivers haven't quite unlocked in the car. There's something to do with setup couple strategy things obviously that need to be worked out too but i think to say p7 like this is a seven or eight car is a little bit harsh ah, seriously that williams ah. i can't i have wow i mean i i think it's a p6 car because just that that's just my personal opinion um i was just gonna say i was gonna say like with all these like especially with like let's look at alfatari for a second like another dismal weekend for them like, what was the justification on Yuki's penalty? Do you think that was a fair penalty, or do you not think that was a fair penalty? Ah, uh, it was tough. Like, based on, like, the slow-mo, Joe was ahead of him in the corner. 
And Yuki's trying to make a case that he left him enough space on the track that he felt like Joe just kind of went to the to the runoff section and turn, I believe it was one to two. Is it a penalty by the rules? It is a penalty by the rules. It's a little harsh, sure, considering that Yuki was just putting that car in another level yeah. um, this weekend, right? Being able to compete in the points and then with that one little mistake that he makes basically just ruins his entire race. I can understand that, but... You know, that is a clear FIA rule, in my opinion, right, in terms of racing. And is it is it harsh? Yes. Is it fair? Yes. Well, it's interesting that you talk about, like, these penalties. Another clean race for all these drivers. No yellow flags and no DNFs. Well, but there's been a couple. There were some, a couple of chippy moments this weekend. But shockingly, for, and especially, I can't get over the fact that even, let's go back to Monaco for a second. There was no uh, red flag. No, no yellow. No red, red flag. Flags. No. Or maybe a couple. I think I there was a brief yellow. I think after one of the, yeah, but it was like for a hot second because I think they thought that the front wing would have broken off of a car, and I, I remember seeing it immediately being green after when they realized there was no debris on the track. I think, but I, I had to laugh. There was a bit of like a meme account talking about how we didn't know how good we had it, and it was showing photos of Gotifi. And Roman Grosjean and others like, oh, man, we, didn't, we didn't realize that we had two weeks in a row with no flags or stoppages. Wow. We didn't realize how good we had it back in the day. So. Well, speaking of Roman, he crashed out again in the IndyCar race this weekend in the streets of Detroit, mm-hmm. making his third DNF like crash out in six races. Bringing it back to McLaren a little bit. McLaren is doing a very good job in IndyCar right now. And when you have like kind of, you know, a competitive, you have a competitive car in one sport, uh, you know, more racing and not a competitive car in another classification of motor racing where, you know, when Lando makes a comment, like how they're the seventh or eighth fastest car in the grid, what does that say to your sponsors, right? All these, you have like the most amount of sponsors in all of F1 supporting your car. And to think like, you know, that's just, that won't fly a with the sponsorships. But be Erica, uh, Tyler and I spoke about this on a couple on a couple podcast episodes ago. Do you think it's time for Zach Brown to focus his energy on one of the two? I would agree with that. I think that it's kind of spreading people too thin, and we've seen this with some of the other teams. If people are trying to take on like a team principal and a president role, or or it was even you know McLaren themselves this year, they had one aerodynamicist kind of covering all of the different types of racing, which in my mind is crazy because there are so many intricacies to how the car is working each one there's no way you can have one person sufficiently giving things the amount of detail if that's what they're doing as opposed to say like a ferrari or a mercedes aerodynamicist like there's just no way lessons to be learned from other types of racing for sure and i think that's valuable knowledge to have but when you're especially performing the way you've been performing the last few years you gotta focus on something a little bit more and give it the attention it deserves. If you truly want to be one of the top performing teams, if your goal is just to be midway, like middle of the grid B team, because you realize that's the limit of what you're ever going to be. Sure. Whatever. But if you are McLaren with the history that you have and the type of legacy you're looking to return to, you need to be laser focused on making that happen. You cannot be dividing your attention. Whole ass one thing. Don't half-ass two things. It's funny that you mentioned performance Erica, because we got to talk about the performance of a certain 
analyst on TV. I don't know if you guys caught that this weekend, but Nico Rosberg got in a little bit of hot water with uh, Red Bull and his comments. Uh, and Christian Horner did a very polite uh, calling him out, suggesting that he turned to him when he was asking about uh, why Checo was not competing with Verstappen and says, quote, you're a critical kind of guy, aren't you? You're tough on these guys. Now that you're out of the car and you <laughs> out of the car and you have to criticize all the guys, end quote. I was like, you know, Christian Warner, you just, just go right at go right at him. <laughs> uh, let's get ready to rumble. I think it's true though. I feel like <laughs> I think people give perceived Checo's performances worse than they actually are. Like, you know, we talked about I don't think he's a world championship caliber driver but that doesn't mean that he's not like a phenomenal driver in his own right you know being able he was p11 after qualifying or the p12 one of the two p11 or p12 after qualifying he's able to put that car up into p4 and as you as horner said that that you know they lost out early and they didn't have a great start but you know it's the fact that he was able to get up to p4 and potentially even push for a podium finish i think give him props for a recovery this past weekend hundred percent. And I mean, we've seen so much good driving from him over the years. Like that's not like it's an anomaly one-off things where you're kind of like, why is this guy on this top performing team? No, he has shown us time and again that he deserves a seat here and that he's a great driver to have. So I, I think some of the, the comments, I mean, good for Horner. He's protecting his drivers and his team as he should. And yeah, Nico, suck it like, like it's just kind of interesting because you know he did start 11th on the grid and he brought the car to fourth this weekend mind you like he did he did do a screw up in monaco um that was on him but and the problem is, is monaco is you're not able where you finish is in qualifying is where you're going to end up like let's be real you're not going to be passing the whole grid unless there's a major crash in monaco with half the grid but nevertheless, I, I just found that very interesting. Um, you have the audacity to do that on live TV, uh, on live TV with him right there. That's uh, I, I can tell you probably at Formula One Reddit was did not shy away on their comments on that. It was also an interesting weekend for Nico because I think he made comments about Lando Norris and McLaren beforehand too. So the curse of Nico continues. He also had a very frosty reception with Lewis Hamilton. In I was going to say, which, was so awkward. It was so awkward. There is no love lost between those two. My goodness. I'm like, what, we're about seven years out from the whole 2016 season and there's still bad blood. And the one guy's not even racing anymore. It's not like you're still competing against him in some way, shape, or form. You're like, oh, he's getting under my skin because he's still pulling the same stuff on a different team. No, just, <laughs> I love it. It's, I really just hope that someone one day decides to spill all of the tea. Like we know so much, but I feel like there is a bunch more that has not been shared about what went down between those two because- that is quite the grudge to be holding on to all of these years later. You think they'll have like a sit down interview 10, 15 years out from that 2016 season just to like air out, air it out. What I imagine is that Jada Pinkett Smith will come out of retirement for Red Talk Table and we will get the trashiest, worst laid out 
most terrible bit of reality TV transpire with those two sitting on either side of her. It was a terrible talk show when it was on air. It would be a terrible talk show for this, but just I can't imagine a better way to uncover all the awfulness between the two than in that situation. I think they might do it once Hamilton retires and maybe he can kind of settle down a little bit in that regards. But yeah, Erica, it was just super awkward. So so cold in terms of the commentary between the two of them like Lewis looked like he had a fire in his eyes that he just wanted to go over there and knock the shit out of of Nico and and then they're just keeping the fact that like last week we talked about that he has his documentary with Apple coming up and it's just like whoo you think he's not gonna hide away those comments that's for sure um speaking about the tea because we love some f1 gossip tea We love some F1 gossip tea. So wait, is Taylor Swift now single now? Is she officially with Fernando Alonso? Do a barrel roll! (laughs) Well, we do know that she is no longer with Maddie Healy, as the news has spread today. So who knows? This this could be the start of something wonderful. Maybe she'll go back to December. I don't know what was going on. I think she was still with Joel Alwyn in December. I'm not really a big Taylor Swift fan, but you know what I mean? We're going back. We're doing this. Yeah, whatever. I'm into it. Yo, do you think she's gonna make an appearance at the Canadian Grand Prix? I doubt it. I think if she were to go to one, it would probably be Austin, where she's an Aston Martin guest. Oh, Ooh. okay. If they don't do that, they're stupid. Everyone wants to see it. Come yeah. on, come on, no, make it happen. It would be better if it was Vegas under the lights. Oh, and they do a little like you know they they go they go on the Bellagio fountains. And as they kiss, the water emerges. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when Fernando Alonso comes back and wins the uh, 2023 uh, Drivers' Championship. Yeah. <laughs> and once she places him back down on the ground after lifting him up in order to kiss him, uh, they they go running off into the sunset together. No, do you know I what's going to happen is that he's going to be on the P1 she's gonna give him she's gonna give him the medal and as she's giving him the medal just a big ass smooch right there love it (laughs) love it love it love it okay manifesting this for the rest of 2023 i need this to happen if i had a vision board i'd be plunking it on there right now at the very least i'm gonna put like 16 affirmations in my journal about this just to see if i can put some kind of energy out there Oh, other I tea though this. what's up other tea though is that shakira was there to see lewis as well and people are wondering lewis hamilton shakira not only that not only that yeah. they were hanging out with each other in miami on a yacht oh. <laughs> okay i really want that to happen because that how, like how perfect would that be did you see there's a tweet online oh it was gold today um, so somebody decided to go all the way back on Gerald PK's timeline to like 2012 that said like Alonzo ahead of Hamilton now in the, or the, I forget what race it was, but then somebody retweeted a picture of, uh, of Lewis, like in arm with Shakira taking a photo. And the comment was Hamilton now ahead of PK in the race. <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, I guess someone went back to 2012 on someone's timeline to find that tweet and then do it. I love it. 
I love this part of Twitter, of F1 Twitter, where it's just troll city. It's just so petty and I love it. It's fantastic. Speaking what of troll couple. city. There's there's more? There's more. There's it sounded, more? It sounded like Horner and Newey were trolling Ferrari a little bit this year um, to get a better deal at Red Bull. I don't know if anyone's heard of that rumor. I okay. heard that because we I think we were all like joking a bit last year of like will Horner go to Ferrari jump ship whatever but to hear that that was a actual conversation going on and that was a substantiated claim shocked me a little bit well, according so- to Swiss newspaper Swiss newspaper Blick who interviewed uh helmet Marco Marco was saying that um, there was a he admitted that Ferrari tried to steal Red Bull's two biggest team members being in Nui and Horner um, to create a double blow for the team. But he told the newspaper book that Monta Zamello was already cheering in the paddock and wanted to announce, I guess, like, the, except the, apparently knew he accepted terms of a deal with Ferrari and that he had to spend the night with Nui to change his mind. And then he spent <laughs> the whole next night convincing Horner to stay at Red Bull, costing them millions more. <laughs> I'm like, man, if you're a Ferrari fan, to think you almost you had Adrian Newey in the back pocket for like a, a a fraction of a second. I would be so mad to learn that. Like, if you're a Red Bull fan or you're part of the team, you're laughing. You're like, ha ha ha, peasants. But at the same time, if you're a Ferrari fan, to know what you almost had and didn't get, you're like, no. Yep, 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 yep. I'm I'm here. I'm here. You I'm here. lose. I'm here. It's okay, don't worry. I got Tyler to tell me all Montreal about how great the Red Bull car is. And just a reminder that myself and Tyler and Spencer are going to be in Montreal in the Lance Roll section of the hairpin. So please come say hi to us. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this, Andrew and Erica, but before we went to Montreal last year, or particularly Eric and I, we were at 95 followers on Instagram. And after that weekend, we gained 120. So we're going into Montreal with 390. 95 followers on Instagram. That's oh awesome. my Heck. goodness. Heck, you know what? Let's hit 400 before even the two weeks. Like, let's what, what do that? it. You know, what? let's go to the Blue Jays game. Oh, wait, what a twist. We're already going on Friday. What? what? <laughs> so, we're going to the Blue Jays game on Friday. Might as well tell the whole 500 deck to follow the F1 podcast. Let's get to 400 <laughs> by the end of the weekend. You know what? If you're not hanging out at Flight Deck, really, what are you doing these days? So, so truthfully, Let's do it. Last uh, time I was there, I was watching a hockey game while I was at the Jays. This time, I'm just there to have a good time and enjoy <laughs> the sports and the people and the beers. Let's do it. I think we have like 13 people coming out with us today, that on Friday. Give or take, at least. I don't know. We're going to be... Or 40,000. I think we'll go 40,000. I like to think it's 40,000. Who cares about the boys in blue? They're there. Yeah, they're they're really hit or miss right now. And they're, you know, let's say they're probably as consistent as pigeon poop on my car. So (laughs) I would say you probably more fun time hanging out with us at the game than you would be watching the actual game itself. And that's always consistently a good time. So. Mm-hmm. So I guess on that note, so we got a big, got a couple of big things that are coming up this week. So make sure to keep uh, following us on Instagram. Uh, Erica, we're so happy to have you back here in Canada. Yes. We miss you so dearly. Andrew. Don't you love it when I scream in the microphone? Isn't it great? Yes. I love it. Yes. Oh, I love ed- <laughs> I love editing that uh, right after this. That's it's great. You don't have to take your headphones off at all when that <laughs> happens. <laughs> Anyway, I digress. Uh, yeah, so we did. There's a lot to talk about with the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. So I guess appreciate you both coming on this week's episode. 
Um, you know, curious to see where Mercedes is going to go going here. What is Ferrari going to do? Any hope for McLaren and his Red Bull to continue to dominate? Spoiler alert, they will. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens in Montreal in two weeks. So thank you for listening to season three, episode 13 of the F1 podcast with my amazing co-host, Andrew and Erica. Andrew, would you like to do the honors and send us off like tradition, please? Yeah, so thank you so much, everybody, for listening to, as mentioned, Season 3, Episode 13 of the F1 Podcast. I'm Aaron Drew. That was Erica. That was John. And uh, we are looking forward to not only the Jays game on Friday, but in a couple weeks when John, Spencer, and uh, Tyler will be at the Canadian Grand Prix, feel free to hit us up on Instagram, uh, direct message us if you want to meet as well as follow us on F1.podcast, follow us on Apple Podcasts, uh, follow us on Spotify, as well as XRC's YouTube channel, where in Canada, we'll see if Lance Stroll could maybe convert into his first Canadian win, or is Max Verstappen going to win by 35 seconds? We won't know until the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. Over under 36. Over, for sure. <laughs>